Good evening, 4th District of Cebu. This is School on the Air, bringing to you matters on the social sciences, ranging from history, politics, philosophy, and religion. I'm your host, Marlui Vincent Capul Reyes. Friends, I am here with a professor from the University of Santo Tomas who has written much or somewhat about the topic of Pope John Paul II. And in fact, he has, I believe, a couple of books on the topic. So we've brought him here to discuss the life of Pope John Paul II and perhaps his uh, influence on the Filipino Catholics. So uh, good evening, Sir Jove Aguas. Uh, good evening, uh, Vincent, and uh, good evening to your uh, viewers. Alright, so this podcast here is dedicated to the study of the social sciences, but I think uh, our focus here will be not only on the religious aspect of Pope John Paul II, but on his contribution overall as a thinker, as an activist, you could argue, someone who believes in social justice, and also, most of all, as this charismatic influence on the, the ordinary person. So first, I'd like to ask, what was John Paul II before he became John Paul II? Well, uh, before, immediately before he became uh, Pope John Paul II, he was Cardinal Karol Wojtyla, uh, one of the cardinals coming from Poland. And of course, uh, he rose from the ranks of the church hierarchy. After he was ordained priest, he was promoted to auxiliary bishop, and then bishop, and then archbishop, and then eventually cardinal. Yeah. Okay, so uh, what, what do you think his uh, experiences in Poland during the Second World War and the Cold War uh, did to make him the person that he eventually would become as Pope? Okay, I, I think uh, the life of John Paul II, or even before he became John Paul II, was defined by, the, by his personal experiences growing up in Krakow, where he was born. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, where he, he uh, spent most of his adult life. Uh, he was born in Badovice. And during his... Uh, childhood days and even during his adult life. And Poland was under two totalitarian regimes. First, uh, during the uh, Second World War, uh, Poland was under the, uh, the Nazis. They were occupied by the Nazis. And of course, we can, well, we know, we know how uh, the Nazis uh, treated or behaved during the Second World War. They executed uh, many people, uh, most of them Jews. And some of these uh, Polish Jews were actually very close to Karol Wojtyla. So that experience alone of violence and persecution uh, during the Second World War uh, somehow uh, shaped the understanding and the appreciation of Karol Wojtyla as a young man about the dignity of the human person or the value of the person. And then uh, after the, uh, the Nazi regime, the Nazi occupation, the Russian came in. Uh, Poland was actually liberated by uh, the Russians from the Germans, but uh, they occupied uh, Poland. So, and they, of course, uh, formed uh, the communist regime. 
and this will be another totalitarian regime that would uh, cause uh, unspeakable uh, violence and you know violence and uh, sufferings on the part of the popes. So these uh, experiences, these horrible experiences of Karol Mitiwa, first during the Second World War and then during the communist occupation in his native land, which actually lasted uh, uh, until he was already a cardinal, uh, uh, somehow, uh, I think, defined uh, John Paul II or Karol Mitiwa as a human being as a person, and that would also probably define uh, his uh, teachings uh, as, uh, as a man of the church and eventually as the Pope. Okay, so essentially he has always lived through much suffering and has enabled him to not only fight against totalitarianism or tyranny, but also respecting human life. Uh, how would you describe the yeah. advocacy of Pope John Paul II, at least in terms of his respect for life? I think, uh, well, as I've said, uh, early on in his uh, early on in his life, while growing up in in Poland, he already saw the violence and the you know unspeakable uh, suffering caused by the totalitarian regime on his people. And uh, from this, he realized, and I think uh, this shaped his uh, understanding and appreciation of the value of the of the human person. And that defined his advocacy as a man of the church and as a pope. Uh, sometimes uh, we tend to realize or we, we recognize the value of something or the value of a person amidst diversity. And I think this, uh, I mean adversities. So these uh, adversities and of course these horrible experiences uh, made Carl Waitiwa recognized the value in each and every person. And he made that as his own legacy. I mean, that is his own advocacy. So if there is one thing that somehow uh, underlie or underlies all the ideas, the doctrines, the teachings, and even the behavior and even the actions of first Carl Waitiwa and then later on as a Pope, it is his strong belief in the dignity of the human person, uh, in whatever uh, color or you know belief, uh, you may find this value of the person. So, uh, given what you mentioned about his advocacy regarding his uh, his campaign for life, so to speak, uh, yeah. how was this reflected also in his writings and in his thinking before he became pope? Well. Uh, Vaitiwa has written, before he became Pope, he has written so many philosophical uh, papers. Uh, of course, he is known for his two important books, The Acting Person and Love Responsibility. And there is a collection also of his uh, writings in ethics, in moral philosophy, when he was a professor at the Catholic University of Lublin. So, uh, I think... Uh, this, as I've said, this is the overarching theme, uh, this idea of the value of the person, his life, and so on and so forth. And this uh, pre, we can say, pre-pontifical writings or his philosophical writings somehow established the 
philosophical foundation of what would be his papal teachings or you know his writings later on. So his advocacy and his promotion of life, his promotion of the human person, and all his manifestation, including uh, the manifestation of the dignity of the person in love, in the, in marriage, in family, in cultures, uh, in many different aspects of human life. I think they already took root in his philosophical writings. So it's not his advocacy about a human person, about life, about marriage, about love, about family. It's not something that just, you know, up, up into his mind as a pope. Because these have, they have uh, uh, a profound uh, root. See, a, 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 there's a profound grounding of these ideas in his philosophical writings. And again, these philosophical writings of Karol Muitiwa are rooted in his own personal experiences. So he's not just speculating, he's not just rationalizing about the dignity of the human person in his philosophical works or theologizing in his pontifical writings. Because these teachings, whether theological or philosophical, are deeply rooted in his personal experiences because he experienced both the positive and the negative side of being a human person or the negative and the positive aspect of life. In, in violence, uh, it is both the person who is the perpetrator of violence and at the same time, the victim of this violence. And I think Oitiwa, early in his life, experienced this, witnessed this. Uh, man as a perpetrator of violence and man as the victim of violence. And from this experience, I think uh, he, he gained this understanding and appreciation of the value of life, of the value of the human person. And uh, its manifestations, I mean expressions in, in life and in society. Now, these writings surely have influenced his uh, later uh, works, especially his encyclicals, yeah. as well as uh, yeah. his speeches. And I think uh, we'll yeah. talk later about those. But first, I'd like to ask, what were the circumstances that actually made, thrusted him into this world-famous position as Pope? Okay. Uh, when, he was a, uh, when he was growing up in, in his native uh, country, Poland, uh, initially, uh, Karl Wojtyla was drawn to the theaters. He was drawn into the theaters. He was acti actually acting and writing plays, acting in plays, writing in pla writing plays, and actually directing. And there are uh, one of the uh, one of the more most famous plays of uh, of Karl Wojtyla as a young man is the Jeweler's Shop. It's a story of uh, you know, of, uh, of two lovers who fought, fell in love and then get married and so on, and all the challenges of the marriage and the family that, that uh, brings with it. So he was drawn to the theater, but at the same time, as a young boy, he was really very religious and he was very devoted to Mama Mary, to the Blessed Virgin. And you can trace this love for uh, God and love for Mama Mary uh, for Jesus, no, for, for his devotion to, to the faith from the influence both of his parents, 
uh, although his mother died when he was young, but uh, his mother inculcated in him the the value of prayers. Okay, and of course, while growing up as a man, uh, he he was uh, he was his he 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 had his father with him, who was also a very devoted a very devoted religious person, Kalugitiwa uh, Senior. So. Uh, you can trace this uh, religious uh, influence, this religious personality, this deeply religious personality from his parents. And so that's the, that's the very foundation of the personality of Carol Bitiwa. Even if he was drawn to the theater, he was deeply religious. He was deeply devoted to, to Christ, to the church, to the Blessed Virgin Mary. And of course, uh, later uh, he would uh, realized this calling, this calling for the priesthood, and he would actually enter uh, a, a, what you call an underground, uh, an underground uh, seminary in the residence of the of the Cardinal of Poland at the time, if I'm not mistaken, Cardinal Sapieha. So he entered the seminary and pursued pursued uh, his studies for the priesthood, and of course, as we say, the rest is history. He eventually became bishop, and he had also yeah. become a cardinal. So then there, yeah. the path towards his becoming pope. And it was yeah. so timely when he became pope because this was like the climax of the Cold War, if I'm not mistaken. And it was during this time that so many world powers were vying for influence in terms of ideology, yeah. in terms of economics. One thing that I think should be asked is this. While he is well known as an opponent of communism, what were his thoughts on the dictatorships tolerated by the liberal or Western or American forces worldwide? Okay. Well, it's, it's, while it is popularly known that he was uh, against uh, communism, but uh, John Paul II is equally against all forms of totalitarianism. Okay. And he considers... Uh, an, uh, uh, an extreme type of capitalism as a kind of totalitarianism also because uh, totalitarianism would, for him would be a regime that does not respect the dignity and the freedom of the human person. And we can see that not only in communism, we can also see that in the other ideologies. So he was, act he was equally uh, critical of all these forms of totalitarian regimes. Of course, what we find in paper or what we see in, in the media was his uh, uh, criticism or his uh, fight against, against communism because uh, that's the focal point in his land, in his uh, native country in Poland. Uh, we can just, uh, we can probably, we can uh, speculate that if Poland was not under communism, or it was, but was under a kind of a uh, fascist or a, another kind of totalitarian uh, capitalist regime. I, I think he would still he would still be opposed to that to that kind of regime. So what is highlighted is his uh, fight against communism, simply because that is the kind of totalitarianism that existed in his country during his time. But he was also critical of regimes, of governments that uh, may, not be, uh, uh, may not be a communist, but still uh, 
still downgrades or degrades or abuses the dignity of the human person or promotes what he calls a culture of death instead of uh, promoting a culture of life. So uh, he's critical of all those kinds of ideologies or regimes that, uh, that devalues uh, life and the human person. Yeah, I also read, sir, I uh, didn't mention this because medyo sketchy siya. It was about the messianic view of Poland, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. That uh, because, mm-hmm. of, because uh, Poland was a victim of many uh, oppressions, many persecutions, that uh, Poland saw itself in its role as this Catholic or Christian bastion. Uh, messianic na role, uh, parang messianic ang kaniyang role sa, sa world. I think that I've read about it, and it yeah. it shaped yeah. up John Paul II not only, of course, in his love for Poland, but also in his uh, mission as pope, as a bishop, and in his writings as well, in his uh, advocacy against totalitarianism. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Poland was really, throughout his long history, has been under you know many many occupations. No, uh, they've been occupied by many, you know many countries, but they have retained their Catholic identity. They have been very strong. They have a very strong uh, Catholic faith. Yeah. So in essence, at, at his... Uh, oh, yeah, I also forgot to ask, what exactly did he contribute to the fall of communism? Was it his support for the Solidarity Movement? Well, I think it's uh, the... the uh, we, can, we cannot say that, that simply because he became Pope. When he became Pope, he was, he, that's when he became against the, the communist regime in his country. Uh, even before he was uh, a priest and bishop and then cardinal, he was very critical of the, of the communist regime in his native, in his native land. So, uh, his, uh, so the, the, the Polish people really draw inspiration uh, do not draw inspiration, strength, and courage from him. And I think when he said the word "do not be afraid," of course, it is addressed to the to the to the Catholics, to the Christian all over the world. But it has a particular, special message to the to the Poles when he said, "Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to live our life, to express our faith as Catholics." And when eventually he became Pope. Now that sends, you know, that sent some some concerns, shivers, to the to the communist leaders of his country. They probably can feel the end of their regime because now John Paul II and Karol Metiwa at that point does not only have Poland as his stage as a pope, he has the world as his stage to express his views against communism. So his being a pope uh, is very critical, very crucial to the eventual downfall of, of communism in his native land. But of course, it did not just start when he became pope because even when, when he was priest and bishop and cardinal, he was already against the communist totalitarian regime in, in Poland. And of course, uh, it was, I think it uh, came to a critical point when he became uh, John Paul II. 
I see. So now let's move forward and discuss about one of his uh, other famous works or rather series of speeches and works which we call The Theology of the Body. In sum, okay. what did The Theology of the Body improve <laughs> upon in terms of the works of Pope John Paul II or rather Carol Waitewa when he was still a priest? Uh, of course, when you talk of the theology of the body, it's a catechesis, a series of catechesis that he delivered during his Wednesday audience. And it actually talked about the, not just about the human person, but the, the value and the sacramentality, the biblical foundation of marriage. Okay? Uh, uh, starting from the, uh, well, of course, he, he refers to the Genesis, the creation of the first man and woman, and how God created man and woman, and they created them as a kind of community, as a kind of family. And, and then, of course, he, ha he, he would develop this idea of the dignity of marriage, of love, of family, and so on and so forth, in the theology of the body. Uh, well, uh, because of the title, actually it's not the, the actual title on, uh, of, the, of the book, but that's the more popular title, more popular title of the book, uh, Theology of the Body. So the conception is that he's just talking about the body. No, it's not just about the body, it's actually about marriage. It's about the sacrament of marriage, the biblical and sacramental foundation of marriage. And when you, when you try to uh, understand deeper the the ideas or the concepts, the teachings in the theology of the body. You can find many of these teachings, basic concepts, basic teachings, in his uh, philosophical work, especially in his work "Love and Responsibility," where he discuss where he discussed uh, the nature of love, the different types of love, uh, and then of course uh, talking about marriage. Okay. But at the same time, in that book, he, will, he also talks, talks about the priestly vocation as a kind of marriage with the, with the, uh, with the Church of Christ. Okay? So, uh, the, the theology of the body is a good, is, I can say it's a good synthesis. A good synthesis of the teachings of John Paul II regarding the human person, regarding love, human sexuality, marriage and family and he also talks about uh, uh, the priestly the priestly vocation to some extent so uh, it, it's uh, it's a it's a uh, it's a combination I would say it's a combination or yeah, it, first it's a combination both of his philosophical and theological thought and at the same time it's also a continuation of his ideas his philosophical ideas expressing that in more theological terms. Now, because when he gave that, that lecture or he gave that, well, it's actually a catechesis, when he gave them series of talks, he was already a pope, and of course, uh, his context now is more theological, more sacramental and biblical than philosophical. But you can see, if, uh, you can see that if you go back to the philosophical writings of John Paul II, you can see the, uh, the foundation, the philosophical foundation of these papal uh, teachings on love, human sexuality, the person, marriage, and the family. 
Okay, so he's, he's talked heavily about this. Uh, it's more, I think uh, if we were to look at the theology of the body, yes, I totally agree. This was about sexuality and marriage. But I also think this clarified that the church was not anti-body or an, this perception that the soul is more important, right? Uh, yeah. Because of that, uh, what, what do you think uh, would Pope John Paul II uh, say regarding, for example, uh, for, for example, with regards to... Aside from human trafficking, I think any form of the exploitation of the body, especially with uh, with women and, and rape, yes, rape culture. What what would he say about that? The existence of rape culture. I think that's more prevalent at this period of time. Okay. Uh, first, uh, let me go back to what you talk about respect for the body first. Because I think Vitiwa is one of those thinkers who advanced, articulated the value of the human body, okay? That the body has its own, it has its own dynamism, that the body has its own value, because before that, when we, if we go back to the medieval times, for example, the body is looked down, being looked down, meaning, uh, the body is just an instrument of the spirit or the soul. That we have to purify the body because the body is unclean. It is the source of evil. It is a source of sin, etc., etc. But of course, uh, with, the, with the development of you know philosophy and, and human understanding, uh, many thinkers now uh, realize the value, recognize the value of the body. They talk of the body in equal term with the spirit or the soul. So there are many philosophers who, who uh, talk about the, the value, the significance of the body. You have Gabriel Marcel, Merleau-Ponty, and, and then, of course, Carol Vitiwa, uh, talking about the value of the body. In fact, one of the, in, in his uh, book, Acting Person, he was talking about the Soma, uh, Psyche and the Soma. The Soma means, the Psyche is our, you know, it's not really the spirit, but it's our most emotive aspect. And the Soma would be our body. So he, 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 he focuses his attention in describing, in, in talking about the body. So somehow it gives us a proper understanding of the body. So given this, uh, the dignity of the human person, although it is rooted in his spirit, in his being, and Mago Dei, but we cannot deny the fact that the human person is also somatic, meaning he has the bodily composition. And John Paul II recognized this. So we have to respect the body. So, and because it is part of the dignity of the human person, his body is part of his value as a person, then we also have to respect the body because by respecting the body, we respect the human person the same, at the same time. Now, there aren't many violence, kinds of violence that uh, well, forms of violence that degrades not just the person, but the body. And one of these you have already mentioned is, is rape. So, uh, and human trafficking. Because in, in rape, it's, well, uh, it's not just the, the spirit that is, you know, that is uh, desecrated. It is, all, it is also a form of desecration of the body. And when he talks about respect for women, he was against all forms of violence against women. 
and rape is included in the in those forms of violence against women. So uh, I'm not just very sure if he particularly uh, talks in in particular about rape, but he was talking about uh, the 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 violence done against women, and one of these forms of violence is is rape. Not just rape. There are many other forms of violence committed against against women. Because I see the prevalence of rape culture, for example, in victim blaming. I believe you've heard of it, where women yeah, yeah, who, yeah. Are, who are shamed because they experienced it mismo, that they got raped, so they are defiled. They are, And it's yeah. also a very unfortunate circumstance because the, all of this is also connected to our perception of the body, which I believe the theology of the body in Pope John Paul II's teachings would have remedied that the body is important, that... Uh, women yeah. and their health, their, their reproductive health should be considered. Although, yes, yeah. uh, it's, there is rape. Yes, definitely the most obvious forms of exploitation. But above all, uh, sexual harassment, forms of demeaning the human person, these constitute rape culture. Even our machismo, those tendencies for us to, to, to inflate the yeah. male ego, to impose domination. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so... Yeah. Let's proceed to the next part here. Uh, since we're talking about Pope John Paul II's impact on the Filipino Catholic. Now, he's been to so many countries. I think he's the most well-traveled Pope given his many years as yeah. active. So one of the countries that he visited was the Philippines. Why did he choose to visit the Philippines in 1981? I'm not very, well, I'm not very familiar with the, with the reason why, but why he visited. But he's visiting lots of countries during his papacy, okay? So he became Pope 1978, and on the third year, and on the third year of his papacy, 1981, he visited us. And he has already visited quite a number of countries before that. And of course, the Philippines being one of the, at the time, uh, the Catholic uh, country, one, uh, uh, the only Catholic country, recognized Catholic country in Southeast Asia at the time, as a very specific and very special place in the church. Because while the church is spread in the other parts of, of the world, in Europe, in, uh, of course, in Africa, in South America, and many other parts of the, of the world, in Southeast Asia, Philippines stands out as, you know, as one of the, you can call the centers, the bastion of Catholicism, not just of Christianity, but of Catholicism. So it's just but proper that the Pope would visit us. And it was not actually the first time that Carol Dritiwa visited the country because I think in, in 1973, as Cardinal Dritiwa, he already visited our country. He visited Baclaran, Baclaran Church. He actually celebrated the Mass there. Uh, I'm not very sure. I think it's by invitation that he came over to the Philippines. But I'm not very sure about the... Uh, the details of that of that visit, but he visited our country in 1973 as Carol Betiwa, and then of course the second as Pope in 1981, and of course one of the highlights of that visitation, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, I don't know if that's the uh, uh, is that the canonization I'm canon uh, uh, beatification of Blessed Lorenzo Ruiz. I I don't know. I'm not very sure. Uh, and then, of course, he visited us again in uh, in 1995 for the for the World Youth Day. So, uh, 
uh, the, the, the Philippines or the Filipinos has a, uh, a kind of special place in the heart of, uh, of John Paul II. So, uh, yes, aside from our unique place in Southeast Asia, I would also say that our particular approach to Catholicism is somewhat, yeah. Yeah, somewhat uh, let's just say, appealing or was, he was drawn to it, for example, our devotion to Mama Mary. In fact, us calling her yeah. Mama Mary is something yes. very yeah. uh, affectionate, right? So that, that could also be one thing. And yeah. because of that, uh, I'd also like to ask if... Uh, what can we learn from Pope John Paul II as Filipino Catholics? So what can we draw from him then with regards to that? His life, his preaching, etc. Yeah, I, I think uh, you talked about how we are drawn to Mama Mary, how we are, as, as Filipinos, we are very devoted to Mama Mary. And we, that devotion is really a very personal devotion. Uh, the fact that we call the Blessed Virgin as Mama, which is, I think is the closest person to any and any one of us. That's our mother. So that's a that's that very term of endearment is something very, very special. And I think uh, that echoes also the devotion of John Paul II to the mother, to our blessed mother. And if we're lo looking for some lessons we can learn from that devotion or the devotion of John Paul II to Mama Mary, I think that just like, just like any mother, just like any mother, we can always call upon her for her protection, for his care, for his love. Now, especially during this pandemic. Uh, we remember our childhood every time we cry, if there's something bad that happens, if we want to have some assurance and care, you know, we call our mother, we call our mama. So that's, that's the same, you know, that's the same relationship, that's the same intimate relationship that we have with our biological mother uh, that we apply also to the, to the Blessed Virgin, to Mama Mary. And we Filipinos actually have so many devotions to, to Mama Mary. Uh, in fact, uh, this week, uh, we Bicolanos are actually celebrating uh, uh, the, the Peña Francia, no? the Feast of the Peña Francia. Uh, we call uh, the Lady of Peña Francia Ina, no? because that's, the, of course, that's a Filipino term for mother, Ina. But to call the Blessed Virgin Mary Ina, or Mama, uh, it shows how close we are to the, to the, Philip, to the, to the mother, to the Blessed Mother. And... John Paul II shares with us, or we share with John Paul II, the same devotion to, to the Blessed Virgin. And if, if he was so close and he was so uh, faithful and devoted to the Blessed Virgin, I think that's also the same lesson that we can learn from him. But of course, it's not really what I would call a lesson that we got from John Paul II, because even before... Uh, our encounter with John Paul II, we Filipinos have already been devoted to Mama Mary. Okay, so any, okay, so here we're about to conclude our interview. So one, a few other things to say. Uh, what about, how can you describe the legacy of Pope John Paul II then for us? I mean, he's, 
he's been gone for quite a while, but I think he's left a really lasting impact on us Catholics in general, but perhaps us Filipinos specifically. What can you say about that? Well, I think uh, in general, his papacy, uh, well, there are so many things that we can say about his papacy, but I think uh, in the world, in the world stage, he was responsible for the downfall of communism. He was also responsible for, you know, for many of the political changes in the world, in the world states. And I think uh, world leaders, both uh, the Catholic and Catholic, and all the world leaders recognize the impact and the importance of the papacy of John Paul II. And we can, we can see this, no, we have witnessed this during the funeral of John Paul II when all the leaders, religious and political, were there to gather in St. Peter's, uh, Peter's Square to, you know, pay their last respect to this great man and, and saint. So there's so many, uh, and there's so many things that we can say about the legacy of John Paul II in terms of the global, you know, of the global uh, events, of the glo global, uh, in the global stage. Uh, and of course, uh, Another impact was, of course, his promotion of life, his promotion of culture of life, his promotion of the dignity of the person, his promotion of the family, his promotion of the, the, the rights of the marginalized, especially of, of women and children. Uh, of course, there are many people who would not agree or who are critical of the papacy of John Paul II. Uh, some would consider his... Uh, fight against, like for example, against the, the right, when I say the right, uh, capitalism, as against his uh, fight against communism is rather uh, not as, you know, not as, not as strong, not as, uh, uh, what do you call this, not as effective maybe as against his fight against communism. But, uh, you see, of course, we cannot always please everybody. Uh, that's the reason why many people consider John Paul II as a kind of contradiction because for some he is liberal, but for some he is conservative. For some he is anti-communist, for some he is anti, he's also anti-capitalist. So many contradictions in there. Now, uh, on us, for us Filipinos, I think it's, it's difficult to evaluate the impact of John Paul II's legacy as a pope in our lives. But let me just give some examples on how embedded John Paul II is in our life as Filipinos. How many Filipinos are named John Paul? Quite a lot. And how many seminaries are, called, are named after him? How many parishes are, are named after him? They're just so... And how many devotees we have of John Paul II? So can you just imagine how... how how embedded the impact, the life of John Paul II in our life. He visited our country two times, and in 1995, that people, that no, that millions of people who greeted him all over in the Philippines, especially in Luneta, is so far the largest crowd in any of the people visits in any of the country. So we are, I, I say, well, we are devoted to jump on the second, and I think we are just just put in quotation. We are crazy about him. We love him. We are madly in love with John Paul the second. And how many streets are named after him? 
just how many places are and things are named after John Paul II? We even, even have a street here. After... In fact, we even oh, yeah, have I, here. Yes, you renamed one of the streets there as I know because uh, it was announced during our during our uh, international conference. So you named that street after John Paul II, and there are many, so many other things named after him in the Philippines. Yes. Uh, speaking of the conference, the Sir Aguas here actually was a contributing factor, Seguro, to making the conference more interesting because there were many perspectives we drawn here. Many uh, presenters presented the various yeah. uh, uh, lines of thinking. Imagine how many things Pope John Paul II has actually influenced: personalism, yeah. philosophy, his advocacy against different forms of totalitarianism. His entire yes. life story has been committed to this fabric, uh, to this uh, tapestry that we call the Church. Right now, the modern yeah. Church itself has been re- renewed because of that. The image of the Church no longer this institution that was limited and only spiritual. It was an active presence. Especially yeah. under his papacy. Uh, so, given uh, for for this uh, session, we actually uh, are doing this before the feast of Pope John Paul II. Uh, when we celebrate his feast, let us think about and reflect upon these points, and pray for his intercession, especially uh, through these times. So, Saint John Paul the Great, pray for us. Pray for us. Okay, so, thank you, sir, uh, Professor Joe um, Aguas. May I just may I just uh, promote something? Of course, yes, I own. Yeah, because we uh, because we have organized, uh, we have actually organized this John Paul Society in the Philippines. Uh, I think we have launched that in the in the Congress in the conference in Cebu. Yes. And uh, but we cannot really uh, formalize it because of the of the pandemic. But uh, we are present online and in. in in the internet, in Facebook, uh, we have the John, JPSP, the John Paul II Society of the Philippines. Uh, this is actually a group of scholars and students and professors, but uh, who are interested in the study of the works uh, and the doctrines of John Paul II. So, but of course, uh, this is one way of promoting uh, interest in the philosophy and in the works of John Paul II. Yes, uh, thank you for bringing that up, sir. I think that it's really important to know that there is indeed an active circle of people dedicated to the study of the life and works of Pope John Paul II. Yes, uh, we will definitely keep that in mind. So thank you, sir, so much, uh, Professor Aguas, for your time. It's been an honor to have you speak with us with regards to the life of Pope John Paul II and having written a book, in fact, about him. Is it still available, sir? Yeah, it's still available. Uh, it's uh, entitled uh, uh, "Person Love," and uh, I forgot the title. It's, it's uh, 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 "Person Action and Love: The Philosophical Thoughts of John Paul II or Carol Bettiwa John Paul II." Still available. Uh, only that uh, the UST Publishing House, because it's still uh, closed, meaning work from home because of the pandemic, but. Uh, well, uh, those who are interested can just email me if they want to purchase a copy of the book because I have some some copies of the book with me. All right. So thank you so much, uh, Professor Aguas. And uh, we, let us continue this uh, promotion of life and the advocacies of Pope John Paul II in our, in our own vocations, in our own lives. So thank you so much. Once again, this has been your anchor, Marlouis Vincent Reyes, signing out. Keep learning, find the fun along the way. 
You've just heard another edition of The School on the Air over 91.7 News and Music FM. Thank you and enjoy your Sunday.